Welcome to the Team Superdad podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by the lean warrior, Dean Colson. We talk burnout, martial arts, and fighting big blokes with dogs. Roll theme. Welcome to Team Superdad. Real dads creating their best lives ever. More time, more money, more fun. You are not alone. You're on Team Superdad. Hello, Team Superdad, friends, family, everyone around the world. It's good to have you here. We're back at the Team Superdad podcast. My name is Johnny Jensen, the founder and creator of the Team Superdad program and the Hero Academy, which we're going to find out more about as it kicks off in September. So what's going on? It's the summer here. Time stamping this for anyone who's listening in the future, but it's hot, hot, hot and it's the summer holidays. So kids, we're just managing all of that that comes with that. Being a, uh, a co-parent, a divorced co-parent, I have them here and then I don't have them here. And trying to juggle that is is a challenge. It's something that anybody who experiences it will know all about. And of course, if you're in a relationship, then you'll know all about juggling the summer holidays as well. Whether you're at work, off work, taking a holiday, and that's before flipping Corona comes into into the mix. It is indeed a crazy time all around the world. We're due away on Monday, Monday to France, to my brothers, uh, to Jim and Andrea's in Lake Annecy. It's going to be beautiful and epic. The cousins just can't wait to see each other. It's been too long. But even then, it's all kind of hanging in the balance because Boris, our uh, our prime minister, he could put a pin in France at any time to put that on the quarantine list. And quite frankly, we can't come back and uh, and them not see their mum for two more weeks. So tricky times, but staycationing, as is the norm in many parts of the world these days, uh, could well be the answer. A friend of mine has just shared with me, and then, <laughs> if I mention it, you're not allowed to all go there, right? But Abbasock in in Wales. It looks absolutely beautiful. If you know that part of the world, let me know. And in fact, if you are listening, welcome. If it's the first time, then it's great to have you here. The Team Superdad podcast is all about dads, busy dads creating their best life ever. You know, life is tricky and quite often what we planned what we hoped we could have achieved is not actually what's going on. And we're fed up. We're exhausted. We're working our ass off. <coughs> Excuse me. We're working our ass off without really feeling like it's going anywhere. And you may be incredibly successful and have all the challenges that come with that. Or you might be, you know, working towards creating your own success. But for dads that want to have the, the home, the money, the lifestyle, for dads that want their own business, have their own business, want to increase their success, start a second income. You know, that's what it's all about. Your fitness and your health, as we will talk about in today's podcast with the Lean Warrior, is equally part of that. And it's it's not okay to live second best. You know, it is okay to expect to have an awesome life. And that's what being part of Team Super Dad and being in the Hero Academy is is all about. We just don't always know how to do it. And that's where we come in. The experts and coaches, the awesome people in this world, you know, Amazon's full of them. You know, if, only got, if you want to find someone who's awesome at something, go on Amazon, they'll have a book or something. Look on podcasts such as this. We've got some amazing guests being lined up, some Olympians, some fighters, some soldiers, some business gurus. They're all being lined up to come onto the Team Superdad podcast, let alone the coaches who are being lined up for the Hero Academy. If you're interested in the Hero Academy, be sure to look out for the summit. I'm running an online summit on September the 19th. So if you're listening ahead of that, make sure you get over to teamsuperdad.com forward slash launchpad. That's teamsuperdad.com forward slash launchpad. And you will find out everything you need to know about our half day summit, which is an intro um, to the Hero Academy. So the the stuff on online on the September the 19th is a complete event. You'll learn absolutely loads from it. Get inspired about um, your goals and ambitions, reconnect with what you really want and then actually make a blueprint for it happening. But it's also a taster of getting fully involved into the Hero Academy. As for tasters, make sure you give everybody you know a taster of the Team Superdad podcast. Please, please, please feel, um, click like, click share uh, and feel 
like you're helping out by giving us a review. You know, uh, if you're listening on iTunes or on your phone, um, head over to Apple Podcasts because that's a great place to give us a review. And of course, if you're on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, if you go over to the um, um, teamsuperdad.com forward slash podcast, you'll be able to get links to all those places where you can go and leave it a review. It'll be incredibly helpful. The more reviews we get, the more reach and the better promotion we get for the Team Super Dad podcast. And we are totally committed to equipping dads around the world to making sure that our children, our families uh, get the very best of us. So without further ado, to help you get the very best for yourself, I'm going to push you through the little jingle, the intro to the interview with Dean Colson. He's an awesome guy, a emotional, um, emotional healer, a, a nutritionist, an absolute black belt 10 times over in a whole bunch of martial arts and, uh, and a family man. He's a great guy from up the north in Newcastle. I will see you on the other side. Enjoy. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. It's the Team Superdad podcast. And today I'm talking to Dean Coulson. Hey, guys. A leading warrior. Hello, <laughs> Dean. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Dean is uh, known known as the Lean Warrior. He's a nutritionist, martial arts expert of, of actually a very long time, uh, yeah. performance coach, and and a whole bunch of other stuff, which, which is exactly why I've got you on. Uh, Dean and I got connected through Coffee with Dan, actually. Dan, yes, yeah. Uh, his group just keeps on growing from strength to strength. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say too much about it because everyone's going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but that's not the spirit of things. Uh, Dan, 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 I forgot his second name now. Dan, Dan, Dan Meredith. Yeah, top bloke, top bloke. Yeah. So, so Dean, in, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm sure you can do yourself uh, better justice. We've got your accent is a uh, Newcastle uh, up north in England. So, yeah, I'll challenge our uh, our foreign friends listening in. But uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So originally, a long time ago. I, was, I had an IT consultancy. I worked for myself. Uh, and then from there, I realized I was you know, here for more than that. And so I had a couple of, I'd say, experiences uh, along the way, which really just changed the whole course of my life. First, when I was in my teens with my, my mom who was ill, and I couldn't help her. So I got frustrated with that. I also got frustrated with the fact that she wasn't there around for me because she, you know, she wasn't very well. And then that kind of sort of steered me towards looking after myself and training, uh, not so much the health and nutrition side back then. Yeah, you, you, you've got to remember, you're just a good northern lad at heart. Yeah, what do you like? <laughs> what did, what did, what did a, an average uh, after-school tea look like when you were a kid? Um, I remember eating a lot of bachelor savoury rice <laughs> and, and um, cheese savoury baked potatoes. So I remember that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, carry on yeah you you were uh... yeah so and after that obviously you just get on with life and then I got married and then we tried for kids for five years and this is the real thing is the fact that uh, we were told we couldn't have kids naturally after the five years and we tried you know there wasn't always there's no great hurry it'll happen when it happens but the more it didn't happen the more you start wondering about it and you know we went to see the doctors we got the tests problem was mine um, everything that was wrong with sperm was wrong. And uh, there's three things: there's motility, mobility, and, and volume. Well, there was about three of them instead of like five million. Um, none of them could swim, and they were all hunchbacks. So it was like literally <laughs> so, like, the worst sperm party ever. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that really, really hit me hard because obviously you take that on board as your own fault. So I went about thinking, okay. How old are, how old are you at this point? What, what, how old when you got married and, and all this happening? I was, I was 1998. So what was that? 27, 27, I think. Okay. Yeah, 27. So um, and we, we've been kind of trying before that because we've been going on for a while. Um, it wasn't until 2004 when Sam was actually born naturally. And the only reason he was born naturally is because I didn't accept the medics uh, reason. I didn't accept that we couldn't have uh, kids naturally. Uh, yes, we could have went down the other routes, but I really believed that we could have kids. And so I started looking at different things, and I started looking at nutrition. 
and what nutrition really was. So we booked a, an appointment with a, a nutritionist, but back in the day, there was no social media. It was yellow pages and thumbing through. You know, no one knew what nutritionists were, but we found one anyway, and she blew our minds. The stuff that she revealed was just crazy, and it all fit because, you know, for the longest time, I mean, that, I was like 11, 12, always had a, a blocked nose, always carried handkerchiefs with me, um, and it turns out I was lactose intolerant. Now, nowadays, that's just a common occurrence. Everyone knows about lactose intolerance, but back then, it wasn't a thing. I had two nose operations through the doctors because, obviously, they don't deal with nutrition in any way. It's just symptomatic stuff. Um, and then she blew our minds about that, came back. All, all different things. We actually came home that night and we'd looked in our cupboards and everything we thought was healthy, you know, the normal government stuff like skim milk, brown bread, that kind of stuff. It was just all crap. <laughs> we looked in the cupboards and we didn't have anything to eat that night. We had nothing to eat. And we're that shell-shocked by the revelation and the truth of it that we didn't eat. And that, that was the start of it. And that was, you know, I started looking at, sort of studying. I bought so many books. I contacted authors of books. Um, I did courses and turn, they got to internships. That was a bit later on, but I realized that there was something that could be done. So I found a fertility nutritionist, uh, got in touch with her through our book, and uh, we worked with her. And three months later, Joe was pregnant. And there was, that's no fluke. No fluke. Because the maturation of sperm is three months. And we've done a lot of work up to that point. We really cleaned everything up. We stopped drinking. We did everything that was possible and asked of us. Supplementation, all that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, and Joy was, Joy was pregnant three months later. And it was just a chance thing. It was, you know, when, like, when you get to a fact when you, you know, it almost becomes regimented that you, <laughs> you have sex to try and have kids at the right yeah. time and all that kind of stuff. Um it was a quickie in the morning before work, and we nearly didn't have time because we were late. That's, that's what happened. And wow. that moment, we both remember it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I, I know categorically um, the, the, the occasions where, where my kids were conceived as well. I think it's a, a, it might sound weird to some people, and I guess if you only have <laughs> sex occasionally or it was a one-night stand, then, then yeah. it is easy to pinpoint that. But, but I, I agree. I know the exact times both my children were conceived yeah 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 and so i was like it was so such an amazing time and something that could have been an amazing time but wasn't because unbeknown to us there was some kind of let's say joy was just ill from the moment you were pregnant from one when she yeah. found out that she was she was ill and we just thought it was morning sickness because she was really nauseous and she was just felt sick all the time yeah yeah well listen hang on one second dean let's just let's let's uh let's jump into the final finer details of it all in a moment but that, yeah. that's a brilliant intro into how you sort of started this this nutrition journey yeah but just just for for, for the listeners right now you're you're the lean warrior and, and what does that mean what do you, what do you do right now so Lean Warrior is a coaching program, I coach men. So I coach successful business, businessmen, entrepreneurs, CEOs who are stressed, they're anxious, feel burned out, just to optimize their health and performance because I think so many guys, you know, especially people who've got that drive for financial success, they kind of get there and then they realize it's kind of a hollow victory because they've neglected their health, they've neglected our relationships with themselves and other people close to them. And then they hide behind this bravado because guys just don't like talking. They like to bury it. It's almost like a sign of weakness. And so I work with guys to bring that out, help release internal self-limited emotions, which are the, the deep-rooted beliefs that stop us from doing the other things, from optimizing our health, from cleaning up our nutrition, from moving better, um, being able to express ourselves. And so that's, that, that's the kind of stuff I do. So that, that, you know, that helps these guys start re- to relax more, to feel happy, feel more fulfilled and just spend more time with their family so i think they just get that business you know a lot of guys i work with have big disconnects with that it's just help kind of reintegrating i suppose through like the health paradigm that i use yeah yeah well and that's that's how i came to reach out to you is that so much of what you say about yourself on your website and stuff is and is is aligned with the team super dad and everything we're setting out to do for for busy business owning dads and dads with second incomes people who want to actually grow and expand in life create their best life ever yeah coming up against this kind of glass buffer they can't quite realize why they're not where they're not getting through it yeah brilliant and Again, I, because your story blew blew me away about about your about you and your wife, um, and we kind of just dive dive straight into it. But it's really interesting for 
dads, you know, who've been through this experience of trying to get pregnant. And there may even be some men on here. In fact, I hope there are some men who are listening to our, our podcast and, um, and perhaps they might be struggling with, with, with getting pregnant, but you you went through IVF and everything, didn't you? Yeah. I went through IVF twice. So when we were told that we couldn't have kids, obviously that was the route because we didn't know any difference. That was the medical route. Um, We're fortunate to be able to get that um, twice, but both times it didn't work. Um, and, you know, each time, the first time was devastating because that was another sort of smack in the face type of thing. Um, and then sort of regrouped and tried again and it didn't work again. Um, and that was, it was harrowing then. It was like, it's it's easy to talk about now, but obviously when you get in that bubble, you really feel it, you know, we really struggled. Uh, at one point, I didn't know whether we'd get through it because yeah. you get consumed by this. And I was consumed by guilt as well because it was my issue. Um, but I just was almost, it was almost like I'm not accepting this. There's got to be a way, and that's that's part of who I am. Really, is the fact that there's always I believe there's always a way to figure something out to get something to work. It might not be you know medics. It could be you know, some of that health practitioner. It might not even be deal with health. But there's always I always believe there's a way to find your path, and that's that's how we found ours. So. That's through the yellow pages where, where did you start in the yellow pages i mean like <laughs> i guess nowadays you, you just dabble around don't you a bit of a google this google that but like what did you just go to n n for nutrition did you go to- <laughs> I it must have been the yellow i remember putting the yellow pages up and, and 20 miles from here and yeah. you know to the house um and we're there for hours and she was very knowledgeable and as i said it was just such an eye opener it was like i couldn't believe what I was hearing, you know, like blood, just talking about blood type and all kinds of different things. You know, she said I should be eating wheat. We shouldn't even really eat wheat. We should maybe eat it once a week. I was eating like three, four times a day because that's what you did. Back yeah. then, you know, cereal or toast or pasta or sandwiches. So I, I, I'm thinking, how am I going to live? It was like that blow your mind. What the hell am I going to eat type of thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, since we spoke last week, since we spoke last week, I've put myself on an unofficial challenge to okay. not buy bread products. Now, I still eat muesli each day, which has got some oats and a bit of, I think there's bits of like bran flakes in in the muesli, whatever. But I've not not bought any bread products uh, and I'm going to try and see how, see if I can go 30 days. I'm going to France, which is clearly going to cause a problem with croissants and things. But um, uh, just just to see like, okay, right, right. In the supermarket, I'm not going to buy bread products. I'm not going to buy bread products. And those kind of challenges are are, are dead easy for any dad to just take on, isn't it? Like whatever... You yeah. can, it doesn't have to be some big diet overhaul that you can literally say, I'm not going to drink beer for a week or I'm not going to – do you do anything that, like that sort of – do you recommend anything like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I've got a whole uh, – I've got a health foundation, a health program that I look at. And for me, it's it's based on seven principles, you know, so it's like having – you know, like it's um, it's got portion control in there. So we're always looking at portion control, having like mindful eating so we're not just eating on, on the go – that's when we eat too much and we're not being mindful of what we eat. And if we can create food as an experience and slow down, yeah. and we know we're full and we don't overeat, for example. Then, you know, it's protein with every meal, veggies with every meal, which sounds, oh, people are so hardcore, cereal, and the, the thought of having, like, veggies in the morning. But, you know, bacon and eggs, it's still a cooked breakfast. We can start shifting people along the way. Um, what else? Some fats with every meal, unless you've been training, in which case then supplement with some carbohydrates and then we've got rest recovery and we've got you know uh, water hydration and yeah. those are the principles but then we get you know when i work with people it's all about okay where are you at right now it's always a coaching approach i want to know where you're at i don't want you to be able to don't say right you got to do this right now yeah totally yeah that'll trigger people that'll, that'll stress people out because it's too much no no exactly like in, in an extreme yeah. go vegan next yeah. week you know, yes. you you're going to freak the living daylights out of someone there. Much better to say, do you know your breakfast is a bit weird? How about trying this? Or uh, here's a good one, like because I do love a uh, McDonald's uh, sausage and egg McMuffin. Okay, <laughs> guilty pleasure. But yeah. don't get the hash brown. Get the bag of carrots. Yeah, it's just the little so, steps. Yeah, the yeah. I degrees of slippage, and you can do what you can, it works both ways. Degrees of slippage yeah. could go from salmon and rice to a cheeseburger if you just take one thing out every time but you can also reverse that so you can go from cheeseburger then you can like just a hamburger and then you have it with like without the bun and then you without can, the bun exactly out the bun and then, then that kind of stuff then you can sort of 
step by step, it just becomes the new normal and then the new normal. And then over, over time, all of a sudden, you're just in this different place and you're eating different things. Yeah, yeah. Have to be an immediate thing. It's just where you're currently at and where where you are comfortable. It's always say take the next step that feels comfortable, that feels good. If it doesn't feel good, it's too much of a stretch. Yeah. And how much does food affect people's mood? You know, quite often you hear people talk about, I get stressed and I just eat that because I like it. Or even even myself, I know like a bit of chocolate, a bit of dark chocolate more than white. But how much of a of a mind trick is that? You know, and 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 what's the effect of, of the wrong food on our stress levels? Well, the wrong food. The first, the first thing we can do when we ingest is it goes in our stomach. And gut health is massively important because the gut health, gut's known as the second brain. It's connected directly to the brain by the vagus nerve. Yeah. So it's uh, when we're born in the embryonic stage, that together in the break, but they don't detach. And so you know, the, we've got the same amount of um, neurotransmitters in the stomach as we have in the brain. Um, so uh, to, sorry, sorry to cut in. That is fascinating. Yeah, uh, because I've read that before about it being the second brain yeah. and how close our gut is to our central nervous system. And I'm sure you're going to talk in a second about leaky gut, but I'd never heard it explained that it's it, it literally is our second brain because when we were, when we first became an embryo, those two things are connected. That's amazing. Yeah, when they do, that, do, that divide, they you know they still stay connected, and they're very similar. That. We've got the autonomic nervous system, which is the brain controlled, and then we've got the enteric nervous system, which is controlled by the stomach. It could actually run by itself. It doesn't need the brain necessarily. It doesn't rely on the brain. That's probably the easy I thing. think I've seen some people like that. <laughs> 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 on the beach last week, for sure. <laughs> exactly. And, and so whatever you eat, if your gut is not ha- happy, healthy your brain isn't because it's a direct link if you're putting stuff in that your body doesn't like your brain's not going to like it it's not an automatic thing and so it's really important that's the first line you know get your get your gut right get everything working right and that of course relies on putting better food in there you know food that nourishing as opposed to you know i always say sometimes you can be overfed but starving to death because if you're putting food which has got the void of nutrients in it you know like yeah. If you live on junk food all the time, there's very little nutrition in there. So we're eating energy dense foods, which of course expands our waistlines, but it doesn't help our body look after itself, which is then leads to other things like diseases from you know obesity, diabetes, lots of different things, metabolic syndrome. There's loads of different things, and you know we can absolutely control that. But as you said before. It's not even a mindset thing because we fire and wire things. And what I mean by that is if we have an emotional event, you know, it's usually when we're younger, you, you fire and wire when we're very young. If you think when we're a baby, we do three things. We cry, we sleep, four things. Cry, and we shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> when, we cry, when we're crying, it's all one of those other three. Yeah. We, you know, since we've been, babies can't speak, we'll either we'll check the nappy. If they've had a nap, they'll stick a bottle in. Yeah, but it could be yeah. something else, but that's what we do. And so like milk's sweet, and so we kind of get that earlier association with, I feel safe, I'll calm down, and there's something sweet in my mouth. Yeah. And as humans, as we get older, we so if we feed that, and, you know, or, you know, I see a lot of uh, parents where, you know, they keep their kids quiet, they're giving sweets and all that kind of stuff. And so we've got that fire and wire association of there's an emotional event, what made me feel better, or I had sweet things. And yep. so that in adulthood you know you know men or women and that's often the case so anytime we have a stressful time whether it's at work or you know with our partners or whatever it is we will our brain gets switched the one part of the brain the thinking part of the brain the logical brain the neocortex gets switched off we end up in the other two parts of the brain either fight or flight response which we all know about the reptilian brain to keep us alive We've also got the middle part of the brain which is the, the limbic system which is your emotional center and so anytime we're stressed, the thing part gets switched off immediately. So even if you're being good and having a diet, you know, on a diet and eating good food, and you haven't dealt with the deeper issues, so you get stressed, your brain says, what did you do the last time? And it reacts. It doesn't get you to think. In the last, whatever you've wired to that, oh, last time I was stressed like this, I drank a bottle of wine, I had some Ben & Jerry's, I ate a box of Jaffa cakes, whatever so, it is. So that eat. association is formed, uh, that unhealthy association is formed, and we don't even realise we had control over it in the first place. Well, yeah, it, it's definitely the foundations are there. We then expand yeah. on it. You know, yeah. I have as well, but I, I don't have 
those kind of connections with food, but I know a lot of people do. And so it's just whatever else has happened during that, the, you know, the person's lifetime, then we get wired in different things. And we can absolutely change that because we put it there in the first place, unbeknown to us. But once we understand how the brain works and what, how triggers work, then we can look at what the real reasons as to why we're doing and reaching for those things. Because once we reach for them and we eat them, our brain calms down, feels safe again, you get access to that front part of the brain. And your brain says, what the hell have I just eaten that for? I'm, I'm on a diet. I was watching what I was eating. And then the guilt starts. And then you get that that's vicious circle. Yeah. Yeah. Sod it. Oh, well, what's another day? What's another day? Then you realize a month has gone. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. And then, of course, then we get this yo-yo diet where we, you know, or we might use willpower for a week, two weeks, 30 days, you know, and you'll endure something. This is this is why willpower, short-term willpower is great. It gets you over a hurdle. But if we're trying to use it for long-term things, it's just, we're just trying to endure something for a period of time that we don't like. Yeah. And that's not a great long-term strategy. No, and so people need what they need. The, an empowering context is part of it. Yes, they need some willpower, and then they yeah. need the practical steps to change their habit. Yes, exactly, and understanding what that is. Because sometimes we can mechanically change habits, but it's at the emotional level. There's always an emotional, you know, we can change, humans can change habits immediately. You don't have to wait the 30 days or the 60 days. We're going to change them immediately if there's an emotional attachment to it. For example, I'll use this, you know, um, if we, you know, if we've got kids in primary school, and this is hard hitting, which is why I use this. We've got kids in primary school, let's say, and, you know, happy, we're happy. And then you hear the next day that the teachers on the sex offenders register. You won't wait 30 days to take them out of school. There's an emotional you know, firing there. So hold on, unsafe. My kids are not going back there. And it's that type of thing where we can immediately change. And you would never take them back there because it's a it's an event that's been changed emotionally and emotionally. Yeah. You do it mechanically, like you know, drink more water every day, or you know, cut out bread. Uh, and that can absolutely become a new habit. But if you use bread to uh, uh, to appease yourself emotionally. In some stressful event, whether it is whatever it is, then that can easily just go back to there because it's, it's tied emotionally. And it's the emotions that we get to look at, the emotions that drive a lot of behaviors. And you mentioned before about you know what you put in your mouth. Absolutely, what you put in your mouth can create uh, different behaviors because what we ingest changes, like creates hormones, uh, which change behaviors, which change habits. And so we can, you know, there's this huge, huge link that we just, we shouldn't have to be aware of it, but in the modern world, the way things are in marketing, you know, everyone's trying to get you to buy the next quick fix and the fads and all that kind of stuff. We'll get caught up in it. It's so easy. Yeah. Aware but when, when they've got teams of scientists working out how to make us do things, we should at least have one scientist aware of how to, to, to not do things, i.e. ourselves. Well, example. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's when you start, this is, you know, the other part of the Lean Warrior is, I mean, literally means, you know, find your, lean is, find your essence. It's all about stripping away all the things that are not necessary, the non-essentials. So yeah. that could be thoughts, it could be people, it could be material objects. It could be lots of things to get to what your truth is. Because we've always, everyone knows who we are deep down. But we, if we feel unsafe in any way, emotionally, then we'll put a story around it, we'll put we'll put a good, like armor up there. We'll put yeah, like a, like bubble wrap. We just keep putting bubble wrap, bubble wrap, bubble wrap, and protect ourselves. Of course, it's the metaphor. Literally you know, bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrap, but it doesn't have to be. It could be other things. And it's it's one of those things that I, this is why I work on an emotional level because if I can help people process the emotions because if they're very painful, we'll go straightly straight in that stressed place so we'll not even get a chance to think about it yeah well this dove this this kind of doves in dovetails in a little bit to what was going on with your wife after the after the baby and this was this became a bit of a breakthrough for yeah. you didn't it in around the understanding of how this part of the about, of that, about how we work about this part of the, the mind yeah because it wasn't she wasn't uh she didn't have morning sickness she had acute anxiety and there was a deep-rooted story playing from when she was younger um so consciously she wanted babies unconsciously it felt unsafe because of an event that happened with her and her mom and I'm not going into the details, but yeah. that's got stuck on the hard drive just sitting there until the unique event of getting pregnant, really getting pregnant, fired it up. And so it wasn't until we had to try the strongest anti-nausea drugs that you can even use 
uh, and didn't even touch the side. That's when we knew it wasn't it wasn't morning sickness. <laughs> yeah. That and, no, it's funny, isn't it? You kind of got to laugh because it's just yeah. uh, that's just modern medicine, isn't it? We're just going to dig, 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 dig until, until, yeah. until, and like, no, that yeah. wasn't what was wrong. Yeah. There was something else causing this problem. The the dam up the road was stopping the water. You know, was, we didn't need to yeah. dig for the water. Exactly, and so this was so yeah. This was supposed to be an exciting time was horrific. It was awful. Um, no, I think that that's important for for dads to to hear. You know, I. I and my ex, you know, at the time, wife, obviously, um, first pregnancy was amazing, just like this beautiful experience. And the second one was the pregnancy from hell off the back of three miscarriages, which kind of putting words in her mouth, but, but, but my interpretation of it, incredibly anxious about the miscarrying, th- the fourth one miscarrying. And yeah. then, and then the pregnancy was, was, was very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's, that's no slight on any woman that's going through that, but it, it is interesting for, anyone in that situation to, to consider maybe there's something emotional going on, something more deep rooted and, and that you could find some freedom in, in that area. It, well, exactly. And I think, I think guys, you know, we are there to help our wives, you know, especially if they're pregnant and, you know, we'll, we'll look after them the best way we can, but then nobody's really looking after the guys. We kind of park that and we bury it. Yeah. And of course, then, you know, once we have stopped being, you know, there's news helping, that's still there. It's unresolved. And yet and we'll just let it sit there because we don't know. But then that manifests into other things. That could be, you know, adding to stress, emotional, you know, problems that down the road could start then thinking out there's other things, you know, rouse, shouting, you know, just rage. We've got a lot of these things because all emotions are just like energy. Everything's energy and it's meant to flow. But if we put a block on that, you know, whatever that emotional event was, whether it was when you were young, whether it was later in life, we don't allow that out. We don't allow it to express. Then it comes out in other ways, and that could be physical pain, that could be illness, disease, all manner of things. So your body express itself. It's trying to allow tell you to express, but we we repress it. We suppress it. Yeah. Well, the classic ones for dads, aren't they? Just in, I've just got to get my head down, get us through this. Sort it, you know, get us through this at work, get us through this at home. Um, yeah. Backache, well, of course I've got backache, I'm old. Uh, migraine, well, I might be tired, I'm probably a bit stressed. They kind of understand it, but it's... it's the signals are there. Yeah, but I know, I just kept thinking, if I just keep pushing through, if I just keep pushing through, we'll be all right. Failing yeah. to realise that I was draining the tank, my tank. There was literally nothing left, but the engine was still being run at 100 miles an hour. And um, and that's ultimately where the where the break came. He, he, I'll tell you what. On that on that um, point, I was when I was feeling really really bad. Right, I was doing searches for what is burnout. Like, ha- am I burnt out? Yeah. What was it? Was it that obvious that I should have just been realised and nodded at myself and gone, "Yes, I am burnt out." Or is there a kind of a telltale checklist for for busy executive dads or any dads really to, to recognise they're, they're pretty much burnt out? I, I think they know because what they do is they, they always tend to numb and sedate. There's always something that's pressing. They know in, the, in themselves that there's something amiss. But instead of dealing with it, they'll, they'll distract themselves in some way. They'll drink, maybe take drugs, like, you know, gamble, you know, make the phone. The thing is that they do, uh, they'll, they'll kind of, do it because at the end of the day it's it's one of those things where again if we feel emotionally unsafe so we immediately go and play a story for example if we if we've got some story playing we always think oh we think and then we feel but that cannot be possible and there might be a, because usually we get triggered at an emotional level and as soon as we get triggered the thing gets switched off there cannot be thoughts all it can be is stories that the brain uses to take away, take us away from that pain. So my son, for example, when he was three, he was uh, the next door neighbor's Labrador came over the same lovely soft dog, him lick him, knocked him on his ass. So all my son, a three year old, so was this big monster with a big dog coming, you know. And so yeah. ever since then, that's he's fired and wired that dogs are dangerous. And he's fifteen, he's now sixteen, he's shit scared of dogs still. But now what's happening is. Whereas before, you wouldn't go to the beach because you knew dogs were off the lead. You wouldn't go beside the river because there's dogs off the lead. Just, or just and, and so did he know that he knew that was why he didn't like the beach or he just decided he didn't like the beach? No, well, the, well, when he was younger, yes, because there was dogs there. But now, 
it just doesn't go to Long Beach. Because what happens is over time, if he doesn't resolve that, but I can't make him resolve it either, that's the key. Yeah. All I like to do is remind him that you know, when he's ready, we'll, we'll sort that out. But if he doesn't, all he'll do is he'll layer a story on a story, and when he's all out, maybe he's got kids himself, and the kids want to go to the beach, I don't like the beach, you know. And he'll forget why, because he doesn't need to know, because at an emotional level, the brain's saying, that's the story to play, so we're not danger. And if, it doesn't matter if it was when he was three and he's 30, the story's still there because it was blocked at that point, and like, that's where the energy's blocked, and that's when it needs to be released. Because when you release that energy, and you, like, and there's some techniques that I use to do that, to be able to help face these things and let them go. Once you let them go, the story goes because that, that story was there to protect you. But if the reason that you were being protected is not no longer there, then it's not needed. So your yeah. brain kind of processes rejigs itself. Yeah, like re- reprogramming the computer, basically, like just putting some new, some, some new instructions in there. Exactly. Do you know, like a lot of dads would think about this as that, that they might know something like this is going on, but they might think of it as counselling. Yes. And they're like, I don't want a counsellor. I'm a successful business person. I don't want a counsellor. I'm a tough guy. I don't want it. Like, yes. <laughs> in some ways, the distinction between coach and counsellor is really easy because you say, I'm working with you working. to take you somewhere as opposed to I'm working through something to help you, you know, to, to help yes. you move forward. But in other ways, and like, it don't matter whether you call it a coach or a counsellor. We're like, we're, 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 dealing with, we're dealing with stuff head on and we're, we're moving you forward. Is yes. if If... If someone's concerned about working through with these things, how how, how would you reassure them or, or, or address that? Well, the reassurance is really that we don't do anything that we want to do. Uh, we don't right. even, to be honest, we don't even need, need to keep revisiting things. I know counsellors, um, certainly experienced uh, counsellors I know, will keep revisiting the same thing. But your brain doesn't really know the difference between reality and memories. And so if you're revisiting something that's painful, it's going through it as if you are there over and over and over. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I for coaching, for example, from a neuroscience perspective, yeah. which is yeah. Not, not yeah, that's what we're talking about, neuroscience, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So neuroscience and emotional healing, very slightly different, but I use them. I just use them as tools as to what is the best tool to use. So neuroscience, we're just asking better questions. We're allowing them, you know, to answer their own questions. So yeah. for me, it's ask good, like better questions for them then I'm getting them to answer, find their own answers to their questions. It's not for me to tell them because that's not, that's not coaching, that's mentoring. Yeah. Coaching for me is asking questions specifically to bring out what they're struggling with. And that can be tough. And sometimes that's when I use the emotional stuff because sometimes we don't need to talk, we don't even need to talk about stuff. There's a trigger there. We look at where the trigger is. We allow it. You know, I'll, I'll take somebody through uh, a, a procedure or process where, I can allow them to let that energy go. You know, I've had this experience myself. When, when I was, I think I was two, three, I had my tonsils out. I was taking it, you know, in the hospital. And the mem- memories, I've still got vivid memories, you know, visual images of that. Yeah, yeah. I know the story, you know, my mom didn't want to leave me. She was crying. They wouldn't let us stay. You know, the day that um, she came, you know, obviously it was a phone box. There's no mobile phones back yeah. then. Um, she actually ran from the car park, the payphone nearest the car park in the hospital. When she when could she pick me up? She wanted to come get me. But meanwhile, three year old Dean in the cot, like you know, like out like bars. Yeah, the know, bars. Yeah, in pain, in, in his mom's leaving, he's been abandoned by the person you love. You love yeah, the yeah. Hey, that sticks, and I, you know, even though consciously I knew the story, and unconsciously there was energy blocks. And I, I was just talking to a coach. It wasn't I could specifically just a you know like a PM conversation, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were just having a conversation about stuff and he was just talking about something specific. And so I actually shared with him this these vivid images and I described them. And as I did that, I just absolutely I just burst in tears I, from nowhere. Because yeah. it was release. And I just sobbed for ten minutes uncontrollably in front of him. I was on Zoom. <laughs> I was like just blubbing for ten minutes. <laughs> And then I just felt this energy just leave me, just came up and up and up and just gone. And I know it's gone because I can talk about it now, like with you, for example, like I described those images and there'll be no feeling there. There'll be no energy because it's gone. But for 40 odd years, it was there. Even though I knew the story, little Dean was still in there. Like that energy was stuck at that level. And yeah. uh, once I found that out, I started looking at how I was proven 
We always go out where we prove our beliefs true and they're unconscious beliefs, so we're not aware of them. So consciously, you might say you want to lose weight. Unconsciously, you know, last time we did that, something happened and it was painful. So we, we go out where to prove that true. And it was the same with me. So I was pushing people away, not intentionally, um, because I'm thinking, well, they're going to abandon me anyway. So I would do things to... Yeah, and this this is the really important part about about what you're sharing is that what's going on in people's relationships won't necessarily be what's going on in their relationship. And yes. they've fallen in love, they've got married, everything seemed absolutely rosy, and now there's some struggle going on. And you're thinking, why don't you love me anymore? Why is our why is our marriage going wrong? And actually, all that's I say all that's happening, but possibly what's happening is something from before, something from your past, something completely unrelated is bubbling up and yeah. now stinking the place out. Yeah. Um, I think, I know, speaking for myself, I think that would have been very powerful to have realised that in, in, in my own marriage. Uh, I think a lot of people will either, you know, particularly people who are still in a marriage but unhappy, they're like, we're never going to fix this. Actually, a bit like you getting pregnant, by addressing the problem in the right way, a whole new, a whole new beginning was created. Because when you know, when couples argue, and we all do. I mean, to be fair, I'm arguing with my wife for a while because we've done a lot of work with emotional healing and, and energy work and all that kind of stuff, just to realise who we are and what was triggering us about us. And you know, when I remember for years, I remember having arguments and I'm thinking, why is she, you know, flying off the handle? It was just you know, just an innocent remark or like you know, and it was because ne- the thing is never the thing. It's just a trigger to something that's much bigger. And if we don't, if we haven't got awareness of it, we'll just keep doing it. And, you know, we did. But if you then start realising what these emotions are, you know, if you work with somebody who can then, you know, explain what you're feeling and how to let it go, and you know, and it's safe and it feels okay, because it's a very fearful thing. Fear be just being a word where, you know, we don't want to address something because it feels unsafe. Then we can absolutely do it. And, you know, there's... Just a side note, now we're talking about relationships. There's a great book by, I can't remember his name. You tell me what it is. I'll look it, I'll look it up while you're talking. It's the Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah, Five Love languages. I would, I would have definitely have said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So that now, which is a really good way of understanding, um, you know, you're the half or like even your, your kids or whatever it is, understand what their love language is. Because sometimes, you know, you think you're outpouring your love to somebody because that's your love language because that's yeah. what you love. But the other person just doesn't get it, so they don't feel loved because you're totally. Not, you're not Gary Gary Ch- Gary Chapman is the is the author, and it's been uh, this has come up in a number of of podcasts, and yeah. I totally advocate. In fact, it's part of the Hero Academy like book list, in, yeah. um, uh, because it's unbelievable. You know, just just to run through them, it, the, the five languages are words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time. And acts of service, and no, and for, for, for uh, me, yeah, I'm um, I'm definitely physical touch, yeah, and I'm words of affirmation as well. Like, and it's exactly the same. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I want to be I want to be hugged, and, yeah, and and told I'm great, and I want to be hugged and told everything's going to be fine, and yeah. I'm I'm like, okay, got that, and I'm off. I'm like, I'm ready, <laughs> and um. Our and, together, and so it's different. So as long as yeah. my wife has quality time, she's fine as well. Yeah, it's just if we don't know that, and my pulls apart, then Christ. Well, totally. My 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 ex, she was very much acts of service. So she would cook dinner. Yeah. I would cook dinner as well. It was a shared sort of responsibility. Yeah. But when yeah. she cooked it, she wanted like flipping <laughs> tr- trumpets and flipping, yeah. 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 you know, um, pop party poppers and, and everything. And I was just like, oh, yeah, cheers. Not because I didn't appreciate it. And I would always say thank you because yeah. that's how we've been brought up. But, you know, it's it, it wasn't enough for her. And amazing, like for any couple and even for your children, like you mentioned, if you can get, you know, blimey, what that love language is between you and your and your daughter, you and your son, you and your wife, and 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 then know that as a family, yeah. so that so that no one's love language gets left out. Like, and if if you if people imagine it like a bucket, yeah, everyone's bucket. If everyone's bucket's full up, we've all got full up buckets yeah. and we're happy. Like, if yeah. someone's bucket has been completely drained, um, 
and it's obviously it can be mum or dad the kid could be flipping depressed and upstairs it's, it's generally like they're just not getting what they need i agree with that and married with you know um the stuff that i do with the emotional stuff and the neuroscience stuff it's very very powerful even you know if people you know if guys are having uh, relationship issues that's the first place to go to because sometimes just by understanding that and changing the behavior because of that then that could be enough but usually it's deep rooted deep uh, deep rooted you know, it's, yeah so, you know, but, yeah, it's, it's very powerful. Totally. Well, listen, let's change change tacks a little bit or change sure. gears, as our American friends say. Yeah. Um, what about the martial arts? And, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I know a bit about some. I, I kind of already, I'm kind of prompting the, the questions. But you've yeah. been, you, you, you're a bit of a badass martial arts person, <laughs> yeah? Um, yeah? Well, you've been doing it long enough. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not then i need a word with your your sensei or, or whatever yeah, exactly. um but just tell us a little bit about how you like why it's so important to you and and, and well not, never good to give someone three questions but yeah why it's so important where it started and, and what you get out of it as part of your practice day to day it started when i was 15 bruce lee obviously the man um yeah. from his movies got really like the idea of this and so i found a on a club which was really was really good uh and so i'd actually dabbled with judo first a few years earlier but i wanted a punching kick and i, I yeah. didn't know judo wasn't punching girl after three weeks yeah and i in the bathroom i wouldn't, I wouldn't come out with that he was true he didn't um so it turns out that that would have been a good thing to learn but there we go um and so i learned it was called jindiando at the time which it was it was a combination of taekwondo and taekwondo which were more mainstream right uh, and I, I got my first black belt when I was 17. But even when I got my black belt when I was 17, I still felt a lot of fear. And what does, uh, sorry, what does, what does black belt mean? I mean, people hear about black belt all the time, don't they? But, you know, is it, is it really hard? Is it not so hard? Does it, does it make you a super guy? Or like, what, what, what is a black belt? What is a black belt even? A black belt, here's the thing. A black belt, it depends on the person and the persona of the person. Sometimes people are just like fights anyway. So if they came in, you know, it wouldn't be different. But for me... When I did it back then, uh, it's learning skills to a proficient level. And that's yeah. what a first dan. First dan is the first black belt you get, and it goes to be dan's after that. So when yeah. you get your black belt, you just demonstrate that you're proficient in the techniques that you've learned over a period of time. And obviously, there's 10 gradings to black. You start right. at white, and 10 gradings later, black belt. And yes, you can fail them if you're not good enough, you know, if you don't perform the techniques correctly, if you don't have sparring. When I was... Um, when I was first learning, we broke boards, so breaker boards, uh, break boards, yeah. And the grades. Um, so really, it's just a proficiency. After that, that, for me, that's when you start learning when you get your first time, because that means you're proficient. That means then you start learning more. However, some people don't get there, or some people think that's that's the be all and end all. What I discovered was uh, the time not long after I got that, I was uh, having a pro- issue with a guy, a bit of a bully, um, and. One, one Friday night, I was, I'd just be in the local shops with my girlfriend and our wife. Um, and he just appeared out of nowhere. And I was just getting in the car and he was just yelling, he was, you know, swearing at me. And he was a big Geordie. Give us some Geordie swear words. Come on. Yeah, he was, he was a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just with an accent. Okay, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I shit myself. I really <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would be. I locked the door and then. And then he left. And then I went home, just around the corner. And then I was I was so angry with myself. I told me my dad, my dad was in the house. I was angry. I felt shame because your girlfriend was there. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and all that kind of thing. And I just didn't like it at all. And, I, and then the next few weeks, I, I, I couldn't live with it. And I thought, I, I'm going to have to confront this guy. So I actually went looking for him, like, on the streets. And I could never find him. Um, and then I found out where he lived. Which wasn't that far from me, so I went to challenge him. I actually went to his door and said, "Right, let's have it out." And I was still shit myself, but I knew yeah. I was not doing it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And again, he was all full of mouth. Um, he, and then he got his big old English sheepdog out, which uh, I knew was a bit micey. Um, he had the dog, <laughs> the dog away. Let's go! And he was telling us he was going to take us to the beach and rip my arms off and all that. So I said, "Well, let's go." Um, <laughs> He didn't. It was just all that, and then he just shrunk away into the house. I never saw him again. But that told me then that you know you can have a black belt, but if you learn, you know it's not the pavement arena as as I discovered later on. The pavement arena is out, you know, street fights. That's you know, out when it's real. 
when you're in a dojo, it's a controlled environment. Yeah. And I get some people can make it work from there. I get that. I know some people can, but the majority of people can't because they don't, they're not taught how to deal with fear. And when fear is really, really, you know, acute, we find ourselves rooted to the spot, literally frozen. And I've seen fifth down black belts get the arse handed them on the street because they didn't, that, that, that safe environment, you know, being inside and there was rules yeah. and regulations and how to do things, but outside there's none. And so, over, uh, I can't remember when it was. I think it was two, 2001. I started buying books from a guy called Jeff Thompson because I, I wanted to understand this. I'd left it for a while, but I still felt fear with it. And I found a guy called Jeff Thompson based in Coventry. And uh, it was, uh, he had created something called the Real Combat System. And he'd done things like Animal Days where the pressure tested the martial arts. Um, now, actually, they like, took it as real as it could do. So, you know, it would go down to, you know, hitting people going to the ground and choking, people, choking them out in this environment uh, just to try and to trigger the adrenal response. Yeah. The handle it. Um, so I sought him out. And then 2010, I actually started going, he was running what you call a master class. So it was six months, one afternoon a month for six months. Um, but like to get like a self-protection certificate. And I knew how good he was. And it was all, he's wrote so many books about fear. Um, he's wrote 40 odd books. He's after when an author and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't teach yeah. martial arts now. Um, what, what, what was his program thing called? The Real Combat System. That's his. The Real Combat System. Jeff Thompson, yeah. The Real Combat System. Yeah. You'll get a couple of instructors who are based in company who are still teaching it, but yeah. Jeff doesn't teach it now. Um, How long not... did you see him for? Sorry, see again? How long did you, you like go and see him for? Um, it ended up five years. I travelled Five years? To Coventry. Um, tell, tell people how far Coventry is from Newcastle. Five hundred mile round trip. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you seriously wanted to see this guy, okay? For five yeah. years. Five yeah. years. Because when I went to see him, it wasn't just about the fear and the martial arts and the, the physical side. That's how he taught it. But he, he 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 was very much into like the metaphysical side, the mental side, like getting past fear, understanding what fear was, stop yeah. allowing fear to block you from having the life that you wanted. So it wasn't just about the martial arts. It was just, that was just a catalyst for something massive. And it was around that time when I realized that my job, like being an IT consultant, I didn't, I, I, I just didn't like it anymore. It wasn't why I was here. And so I had a book called Shapeshifter, which I read at around that time before I started work with them. And I, I opened my, I opened a gym. I became a personal trainer and a coach. Um, in like 2010, around this time I started working with Jeff. And then when I, after a year of going down there, he invited me onto his black belt course, which is it's like it's invite only. He didn't he didn't invite many people on there. So yeah. like first down. But again, he did a lot of physical stuff and the grading was physical, it was brutal. <laughs> but um it was all about the metaphysical stuff, it was about the deeper stuff. And what I learned was self protection starts with itself. So his is all about self protection physically. But all those same um rules, um principles I suppose you could say work internally as well because you've got an inner bully, the ego, the shadows, all them subpersonalities, all the stories that we chose to choose to believe, you know, the things where, you know, you might, you know, eat too much food. That's a shadow, you know, that's you become somebody else. You're not your true self then you're you're just it's just a sub part of you. Yeah. And but that could so play that, out in making sales calls, it could play out in asking a, a woman out in a bar or, or going up to a woman in the street. Yeah, all of that, fighting, anything and everything. That's right. <laughs> Fight. We go from dating to fighting. <laughs> well, Sadly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, could be the same. But, uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, it could be anything. Anything you've got a deep-rooted fear of, and then you create a story as to why you can't. And that's that's the things that we did, like in the Black Belt course. So we used to, used to sit for an hour just talking about things, like deep-rooted of really getting into fear, understanding fear, sitting with fear, um, and all that kind of things. And I mean, Jeff's, I mean, he's deeply spiritual. He's, as I said, he's wrote so many books, but he's read hundreds of books. Um, and he's, it's one of those things where at the end of the 12 months, yes, you do like a physical grading to see whether you've passed or not. But it was the journey. It was always about the journey. And then I, I still train with him, and then I was invited back, um, firstly, to present on one of his courses. He'd created a course called, called the self-sovereignty course, which he 
created for directors, CEOs of companies, because of right. in London were like sort seeking them out. So he created something for them. And he asked me to present on that course for him with health and nutrition. And it was there that that's when I realized that these guys, you know, are getting to this pinnacle, but they've still got shit going on. You know, yeah. I worked with a guy as a result of that uh, of that course. He came initially to help me to get in shape. But over time, he got in shape, and then he was asked to do something which triggered him deep down, and all of a sudden, he would, his nutrition went to shit, his training went to shit. And so when we got on a call, I sort of dug deeper and found the real reason. In fact, he felt that like he was going to be humiliated by doing this thing he'd been invited on. So unconsciously, he started eating more, so he would be unfair to be overweight, so he couldn't possibly do that course. He wouldn't be ready for the course. And Sabotaged the whole thing. He did, and he didn't even understand that until we went, you know, went, Dug deeper and found out the real reasons, and this is what why coaching is so powerful. And this is why I created the Lean Warrior. You know, as I said, I said Lean before was like find your essence. The Warrior part, Warrior literally means have the courage to face yourself. And so it's your facing your adversity, you're facing the stripping everything away, facing the reasons why you are stuck, facing the reasons why you're not moving forward. That, as I say, could be anything. Um, and of course, it's usually deep, deeper rooted stuff. That's just kind of. Um, Disguise yourself as something else, you know, and so usually it's it's not a surface level thing. Most people, for example, they want to lose a bit of weight for it. You know, that's that first trigger. They look themselves in the mirror, but it's not. No one's unhappy. They're overweight. They're overweight because they're unhappy. There's something that needs to be resolved. We talked about the, the bubble wrap earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these all these things are all linked. It's just it's just the magic of of this entire conversation. Yeah. Um, well, and and having met you the other, you know, a few weeks ago and talking this through today, um, yeah. you know, so keen to get you involved in the, in the hero Academy and, and, and sharing this with, with the dads there as well, part of team super dad. So uh, that's going to be, be absolutely amazing. And in terms of like, so people could just like martial arts is a great way to, to relieve stress, to get fit, and you know, and, and people and businessmen should should always be conscious of their of their level of fitness, right? Or for any oh, dads, yeah. dads should be level conscious any, of level any, of fitness. Yeah, any dads, because you know it affects you. You know, you'll make excuses why you, you can't play with kids. You know, oh, I haven't got time, but really, it's because I'm unfit, and you know, you're blowing up your ass. I get that. That happens. Yeah. That work with a lot of successful guys who have been in that position because it just they just push their health back. They think that you know. They spend so much time creating money and they get to that point and they've lost their health and then they're spending all the money, you know, like yeah. the health. And it's one of those things where, you know, martial arts, absolutely, it's a great, it's a great stress reliever, for example. Uh, you know, the real combat system that I still teach, I still teach that. But, I, you know, when I do things like retreats, it's, it's because, like, you know, having to have an altercation on the street is so um, scary. It's really yeah. frightening. It's, it's, Especially know, in the world today with flipping knives and nonsense, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I always, you know, as part of my coaching, from a physical self-defense, self it's an awareness, avoidance, escape. So being aware of your surroundings at all time. People who get mugged, for example, the people who are just code, what I call code white, just oblivious to their surroundings. They might be yeah. on the headphones, they might be looking at their phone, they might be just, you know, where with the fairies, whatever it is. And these are the easy targets. But I help people become hard targets from a physical perspective, you know, from a self-protection, but also internally. The yeah. hard talk, observe, be aware, you know, avoid, you know, things that, and avoidance isn't running away. It's being switched on enough to not allow yourself to get pulled into that. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the uh, when I was at university, the estate, we, the student university, the student halls were on an estate and, yeah. I'd walked through there to the shop, to the bus shop, to the pub, you know, many, many times. And then you'd get a notice come around saying, be careful, so-and-so, you know, someone's been mugged. Yeah. And then no disrespect to whoever it was that got mugged, but you was like, <laughs> no surprise. You just yeah. go, I'm absolutely no surprise that it was him. Um, yeah. And, of course, he didn't ask for it, and that's what he's saying. Why me? Why me? But the reality is, why you is because how you carry yourself, and that's why it's always you. Yeah. Exactly right. So it's always it always comes back to awareness. We always have that awareness of you know how we feel about ourselves. You know we all always know what's true. We can't bullshit ourselves. We know when we say something. We know it's a lie. We won't feel it. We can disguise it. We can ignore it. We can distract ourselves from it. We know it's there, and it's about stripping that away and 
being so brutally honest with themselves. You know, for me, it's like being honest, looking in the mirror and actually saying things to yourself. You can always see because you always have some kind of inflection. You know, you might have some kind of movement in your face. You might look down. You know, there's, it's well known. You know, there's been research and you know where you look when you're talk, talking. That yeah. means things. You know, whether it's shame, guilt, anger, whatever it is, uh, deceit. There's so many things, but you can't do that to yourself. You really can't. You can try, but you know deep down, you always yeah. know. Yeah. You yeah, touching on NLP there for any of our NLP listeners. <laughs> Brilliant. So, you know, such what I love about this conversation is that it's the different dimensions of our of our being that yeah. governs our success and our happiness. Whether it's what we're putting in as food, whether it's what we're taking in through our eyes and ears, whether it's how we're how we're reacting to that information or, or, or food that we've we've, we've ta- taken on board, and to be oblivious to any one of those elements means that we don't know what's going on or why it's going on. And That's right. and if if we're experiencing challenges in our relationship, if we're experiencing challenges in our own sort of self identity and self worth, and if we're experiencing challenges in leading a team running our business then just going on the next business course or just taking her out for dinner isn't necessarily going to fix it so if 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 someone's committed to making improvements in in any of these areas of life that that, that both you and i focus on then it's important they start to understand how the machine that they are works um, and 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 be willing enough to take on board um you know knowledge like you have experiences like you have um because at, at our age we're both a similar similar age it's only yeah. now that we fully understand what it is to, to <laughs> what it true. is to be alive <laughs> very true yeah. very very true and i think that's important that's why uh, the health paradigm i look at is health for me means we're not just looking at what we eat that's the physical health perspective but then we've got the mental the emotional and the spiritual all four together like a jigsaw they're synergistic there's not either or there's not one or the other we can absolutely concentrate on all of them we've got to be very honest with ourselves it always comes back to truth haven't got time yes you have you've got 168 hours and if you start adding work in and sleep time you still got 70 hours you still got 70 hours to be able to do some training to prepare some food to give yourself some me time to meditate yeah you know there's lots of you know lots of reasons and excuses well first we get to strip away the non-essentials as i said before we get to do that because there's so many things that we're doing that isn't even for us. They've just been put in there, you know, we're, we're doing it for somebody else. Somebody may suggest them, whether it's friends, family, you know, wives, whatever it is. We, and then we just blindly do it without challenging it. And, you know, from a mental health perspective, for me, it's always about challenging the stories, challenging these thoughts, because we're not our thoughts. I think so many people just blindly accept the thought comes ahead is that's true. That's what we do next. But no, they're just random and they're, they're coming through conditioning, they come through any kind of triggers that we have emotionally, they come from, you know, cultural, the, you know, norms, societal norms, you know, what how we were brought up, you know, and that's, that's all fine. We just get to have that awareness. We can't do anything until we're aware that something can change. Awareness is always the first thing. Then you take responsibility because it's easy then to blame. But when we blame, we're disempowering ourselves because we're giving it over to somebody else. We can never fix it if we blame somebody else. We can only ever fix it when we accept responsibility that everything that we've done up to this point is our fault. Everything. And that's yeah. staying. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. In, in you know, my marriage, and I think anyone who's been divorced or having trouble in their marriage needs to realise that responsibility started most likely when you asked her out or... Yeah when you asked her to marry you, like, is it like it, yeah. when I started to peel away all the blame, 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 I was like, Oh yeah, well I did ask her out. Like there is, like if you want to go back there, there is ultimately a responsibility in, in, to, that, that we that we all have to take. Yeah. That's very true. Very yeah. true. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Dean, we're, we're coming up on uh, on a 60 minutes, which I'd like to try and keep things to, uh, okay. it's, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, 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 hilariously for people who are still listening uh, we had pretty much this exact conversation in our get to know each other chat <laughs> we did. so we've i hope we've done it as well as we did it without pressing record sure, but... sure we are. exactly um where can people connect with you or find more out about you dean um obviously 
I'm on social media as Dean Coulson. You'll be able to find me on there. Uh, my website, theleanwarrior.com, with a blog called deancoulson.co.uk. So they're, they're my main areas that you can connect with me. Brilliant. And I look forward to seeing you uh, more involved with Team Superdad and the Hero Academy for sure. Yeah. All of it. We're going to... Well, in the fire walking, uh, there's board, There's always the day kind of starts with board breaking and stuff. So um, have you ever done a fire walk? No, I haven't actually. No. There we go. Yeah, we're in. We're going to we'll get you involved. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Well, we're going to say goodbye to everyone. Hold tight and I'll catch you on the other side. Okay. Guys, thanks for listening. I'll wrap this up after the credits. See you on the other side. Yes, thanks. Wow, wow, wow. That was brilliant. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Dean is a brilliant bloke. He's an absolutely brilliant guy. Sorry a little bit about the echo. Uh, we gave Dean some instructions about getting a better microphone. But, uh, but if, you know, that, that shouldn't have put you off, I hope. His story, um, getting pregnant, the birth of his child, struggling through IVF, learning about nutrition himself... Um, becoming a flipping healthy sperm producer i mean when do doctors tell you go and sort out your nutrition so i hope that's been a value to some people in that situation and as for the rest of it your martial arts the equipping yourself mentally as well as physically all absolutely vital and so aligned with the team super dad message and everything we do inside the hero academy um, the summit is on september the 19th dean will be speaking as will i you can go over to teamsuperdad.com forward slash launchpad because it's the launchpad summit and you can get everything you need there. Um, there's early birds on the, on the live event and you can also pay to get the recordings and access to all the VIP content and the workshops and the extra special bits that are available as well. It's going to be awesome. Uh, spread the word, share this podcast, share links to the launchpad and we will continue to help you be the best possible dad you can be. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on the next episode. Team Superdad out. This has been Team Super Dad. Find us at teamsuperdad.com.